This episode is brought to you by AREP, American Real Estate Partners. If you look backward, inflation has always been in favor of real estate in terms of asset allocation because uh, doing bonds currently is quite tricky. Stock exchange is very volatile. Uh, the geopolitical risk is really uh, rising from day to day. So uh, going to tangible assets, illiquid assets could make sense. So it's, I think it's very good for infrastructure and, in, and uh, real estate as soon as you are able to really like, pass on the inflation to the, the since 2019, Natalie Paladichev has led Ivanhoe Cambridge, the Canadian real estate company based in Montreal, Quebec. The firm is the real estate subsidiary of CDPQ, which is an institutional investor that manages pension plans and insurance programs in Quebec. Natalie is the first female CEO of the company, and her appointment three years ago meant Ivanhoe was the only major pension fund in Canada with a female CEO. Last week, she spoke at BizNow's inaugural Rise Initiative event, which recognised commercial real estate companies making real progress with their DE&I initiatives. I'm Miriam Hall, and this is BizNow Reports. And on this episode, recorded with Natalie at the event, we're hearing about how the pension fund views real estate in an environment of inflation and how real estate is responding to the climate crisis. First, though, I asked Natalie why she thinks it's only in the last three years that a woman has been appointed to this top job. You know, we're in a very traditional industry where uh, we... Uh have not been, I would say, under pressure to really change what we used to do because uh, all the receipts uh, seem to work. So until recently, uh, I think that the industry was not really um, in a position or under pressure to really change uh, the way they, uh, they act. And I think that recently and probably... Uh, before the pandemic and with the pandemic, a lot of companies have realized that probably they should act, they should do differently to have different uh, outcomes and, uh, and, and to include more points of view uh, to be more uh, performing. So I think that's uh, probably one of the outcome. I'm, I'm, I was the first and I'm sure I'm not going to be uh, the last. Does it feel a, do you feel a big sense of responsibility? Of course, uh, because my position is uh, already a big responsibility because yeah, I'm in charge. For anybody, it's sure. not just about being a woman. Of course, but because I'm in charge of the uh, Quebecus Person Pension Funds. And uh, I'm not only a woman and I'm a migrant, which is also a, a proof of, uh, of Quebecers being very inclusive because uh, they, they uh, allow me uh, to, uh, to have this position and to deal with their money, which is, of course, uh, as you said, a big responsibility. So I think it's, uh, it's both uh, bold and uh, probably very modern from the Quebecers. So Ivanhoe Cambridge is obviously here at our RISE event, which you can probably hear a little bit in the background, um, which is an awards ceremony that's honouring companies who are actually making a difference in their diversity, their equity and their inclusion initiatives. What would you say Ivanhoe has done in recent years to improve its efforts? And, and what would you say are the impacts that that's had in the business overall? 
So we, we launched a three-year DNI uh, strategy last year. Uh, it was developed with uh, our DNI team. We have a, a beautiful a woman in charge of that uh, within the company, but we have also included all the employees and the leaders at all levels. So it has been like a collective effort. So I think it's very important. Uh, the, the driving principles to uh, create our strategy was to be intentional, to prioritize, uh, to be uh, really uh, business-oriented and to be accountable. So one of the big things that we always hear so often is that it's so hard to hire diverse talent, especially now it's so competitive, like so many companies have prioritized it. And then we just heard it on the panel, people were saying you put all this time and effort into, into training someone and then they leave and you know there's a lot of money on the table for a lot of different people. So how do you attract and retain diverse talent and how can the industry kind of work together to foster it rather than kind of battle over the same talent, do you think? Um, I, you know, we are, we are very lucky because we are a global company. So by being global, uh, of course, we, we have the ability to uh, uh, recruit and to hire in different locations. And we, we are a part also of the bigger company because our, uh, parent, mother, our parent company, CDPQ, has also some, some other uh, investment uh, skills and competencies. So for us, it's also a potential uh, pool to recruit people. And for example, we just uh, appointed the new head of Canada, which is, of course, very important for us being a Canadian pension fund. She is a young lady coming from the private equity. So we thought that it could be a good idea to have new uh, new pair of eyes to uh, look at our market differently and to find some uh, broader uh, broader opportunity than what we used to do. So it's it's an example. So I think that each company should use their strength and their positioning within their environment to try to uh, again use all the leverage and all the connections and network that uh, that they can and maybe look beyond where they've looked in the past perhaps uh, exactly it's what i was saying about you know mm -hmm. if you use always the same recipes you can't expect to have different outcomes so if you want to have different outcomes yeah you have to change the recipe right and, and i'm a cook so i know what i'm talking about <laughs> okay <laughs> so switching gears a little bit ivanhoe is obviously one of the biggest commercial real estate investors in the world and you know you're investing on behalf of the Quebec pension fund, your parent company. How does the parent fund view allocation to real estate um, in the environment of such high inflation? You know, um, if you look backward, uh, inflation has always been in favor of real estate in terms of asset allocation because uh, doing bonds currently is quite tricky. Stock exchange is very volatile. Uh, the geopolitical risk is really uh, rising from day to day. So uh, going to tangible assets, illiquid assets could make sense. So it's I think it's very good for infrastructure and in, and uh, real estate as soon as you are able to really like, pass on the inflation to the, the tenant you know where another so of course it doesn't work for any business case but it works when you have the good assets the good locations and the good asset class if you think for example of uh, industrial for the time being if we if you talk to a tenant probably the negotiation about the price would come like second or third even what they want is uh, duration is stability is um, uh, tech 
and uh, is uh, availability of, uh, of um, large premises. And then they will talk about money. So if you, if you have this kind of conversation, then definitely, even if there is, uh, we're going to have to suffer from inflation, then it's going to impact so much uh, the uh, business model. So, company, uh, so real estate where there is an ability to pass on the inflation costs onto the tenant, like as you say, an industrial, are still considered really attractive. Uh, absolutely. So I think that what is very important is not to talk only about inflation, but to talk about the growth rate too. So as soon as you have growth, then you are able to absorb inflation. What is very tricky for our industry and not only ours, but for all investment is stagflation. So when you don't have any growth, but everything, uh, all, all the prices are rising. But if you have both curves uh, leading the same way, then you have the ability to, uh, to, find, uh, to, find, to find a path. So would you say on the whole, will uh, CDPQ be putting more or less into commercial real estate? in the current environment, would uh, you say? I would say that for the time being, they are very strong. The uh, the pension funds beyond CDPQ uh, are very strong on, on, the, on uh, uh, real assets, including uh, uh, real estate. So we didn't, so we haven't seen any sign of them changing their mind. So I think that their allocation is going to probably uh, stick to what they are today and potentially even increase. You've gone huge into logistics, as you said, multifamily and life sciences in recent years, but reduced exposure to to retail. How do you feel about office now? Um, Are you reducing exposure to that particular sector? You know, it's um, always a question of uh, supply and demand. So it's uh, it's it's what the market is about. So uh, and it's also about the exposure you have within your own portfolio because uh, it's also at the end a question of diversification of the risk and return you have uh, in the in the assets you are uh, holding. So for us, uh, decreasing retail was more about reducing our exposure, which used to be very uh, um, heavy within our portfolio. So it was not a statement. Uh, against or pro uh, uh, retail. It was just because we had to rebalance our own portfolio. I think we have been uh, quite uh, effective in the way we have done that. Uh, Offices is still like the traditional uh, real estate uh, asset class where uh, not only us, but most of the uh, um, big uh, investors of the world are very uh, heavy uh, invested because it's it's the most liquid market. Even uh, after the uh, the raise, incredible raise of uh, industrial, that's still the, the the most liquid market. So, um, I I. I think we're going to have to be very careful about the way the work from home hybrid uh, uh, type of work is going to influence potentially the use of uh, the office. For the time being, uh, it's very different from one geography to the other. So I think it's very important to have that in mind. You can't really have a global statement for all the properties you own in the the world. Uh, So very careful. Uh, But again, it's going to probably bifurcate. So you're going to have the good one and the less good one. On, and for once, probably, we're going to have a spread between the two categories, which was not the case a few years ago. But you are thinking about work from home a lot then, are you? I mean, it's come up. I know you're saying that you can't sort of make a global statement for global office because it's different in every city, every country. But, but work from home is in your mind, isn't it? Of course, of course. And, and you know, here, uh, even in New York, when, when I would have thought that maybe American people would show the way back to the office, uh, I'm surprised the, the, the percentage is still uh, a little bit low. It doesn't mean that it's not going to come back, get back to what it used to be, but for the time being, it's, it, it's not the case. So, of course, uh, we have to integrate that, but it's also a new... Uh, 
uh, usage of the premises. So people need more space, they want to have uh, more collaborative uh, spaces. So in a way, they, maybe they're going to need less spaces because people are not going to be back five days a week. But on the other side, they are going to need more meeting rooms. So as a whole, for the time being, we have no, not really any call from our tenants asking for decreasing their premises. But of course, we are very careful. So you thought the Americans would be back first? <laughs> yes, I, they love know, I trust American yeah. people to really lead the world in terms of trends and everything. And, and for once, uh, American is probably lagging behind Europe uh, in terms of getting back to the office. And, you know, looking at my, my teams around the globe, uh, definitely Singapore is uh, getting back um, pretty actively recently after a very uh, drastic lockdown. Uh, Europe is very active, especially Paris and London, where uh, most of the people are back to the office almost five days a week. It's interesting because, like here, the subway is in enormous trouble because people aren't catching the subway in the same way. So there's there's widespread ramifications for these cities. Just very quickly, so Paris is back. You're saying, what about Montreal, where you are? Is there no Montreal is still very quiet, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So we're and and we're we're going to see. You know, we are just. uh, uh, getting out from winter so maybe that explained that we were less uh, motivated to go back to the office so last summer was pretty uh, pretty packed up so uh, let's see which will next summer if it's going to happen so I hope so we, we do our best because we put a lot of money in the downtown Montreal so we really believe that the city deserves to have more activity and more people uh, uh, really making uh, the, the city live you know it's a city where we, we have a lot of uh, students too uh, very cosmopolitan so this dynamism makes the value of the city I want to get back to that <laughs> Headquartered in the greater Washington metropolitan area, American Real Estate Partners is an institutional fund manager and operating partner focused on data center, office, and residential mixed-use development and repositioning throughout the East Coast. Committed to building workplaces of the highest quality, from architecture to amenities to property management and wellness, AREP creates places where people want to be and can perform at their best. AREP, beyond the expected. Visit AREP at AmericanRePartners.com for availabilities. Just to circle back to where we started, DE and I is one component of a broader push among big business uh, towards really pushing forward with ESG goals. So you've got a big program to build timber offices in France, um, and that's aimed at obviously reducing carbon footprint. Will you be rolling that out more widely, particularly in the US perhaps? Yes, yes. We have already three... Uh for uh, buildings in progress, uh, a part of, uh, of the partnerships we have with Heinz uh, in US. So we definitely uh, do that actively, I would say in different cities when we used to be. We used to be very getaway cities and now we do uh, a lot of Dallas, Austin, Houston, Denver. So uh, that's different. That's also smaller buildings than what we used to do when we used to be very like a big tower, like skyscrapers. So it's only an evolution of of the diversification of the portfolio I was referring to earlier. Do you think the US CRE cares enough about sustainability? 
Um, you know, it's interesting, and 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 we have uh, an ESG uh, head who is uh, um, uh, based in Paris. Uh, he comes from Montreal, but we thought that uh, having him in Paris was uh, probably the best global position we could imagine. Not only because it's the middle of uh, Europe, uh, because Europe is in the middle of Asia and America, and we have uh, uh, properties on all those uh, um, uh, locations, but also because we see Europe a little bit in advance in terms of the E of ESG. So we think that we can bring back to uh, North America some good practices we see we see there. Uh, I would say, uh, to um, maybe to summarize that, maybe the S uh, is a little bit in advance here in North America. So as the, a whole... The social uh, side is more advanced here, do you think? Uh, I would say so, yes. I would say that it's it's a, a bigger focus than what it is in Europe when the focus is definitely on the, on the, on the E uh, of ESG and also probably because of the uh, energy um, challenge that Europe is facing and which is not comparable to the fact that North America is very rich, both US and Canada. So, uh, of course, the, uh, the focus doesn't come from that. It's not, it doesn't come from just saving energy. It should come from somewhere else. So we're really trying to bring that. We have made strong commitments to be carbon neutral and we really try to uh, lead the pack in the industry. We really want to have an impact there. I was at the COP26 uh, a few uh, months ago, and I'm going to be at, in Davos in a few weeks. So I think that uh, uh, our words, uh, our speech, have an impact, and we want to do more. Do you think as a whole, I know that you want to do more, do you think as a whole, though, that the industry is is focused enough on this? I, I, increasingly, we're talking about this as a climate crisis. I mean, do you think people are, are, are as worried as they should be, as panicked as they should be, as moving forward with this? <laughs> No, you know it's it's always a little bit disappointing when you you when you listen to the uh, uh, um, during the elections to the speeches. Uh, environment doesn't seem to be really in the middle of the preoccupation. There are so much at currently in the globe. Uh, so I think our job is to think that we can verge to a common position. It doesn't mean that we're not taking care of all the other business matters, but for us it's really a question of being performing, but performant because uh, you know it's. It's about risk return. What we do in investment is just dealing with the right risk return profile. So uh, environment, climate change is a lot about risk. So if you don't talk, take that into account in a way or another, the, the, the climate change is going to take care of you. <laughs> it's interesting because in the US we always talk about how difficult it is for companies that have buildings across different states. So there's all sorts of different rules, different laws, different policies. It must be an even bigger challenge globally. How do you manage that where different countries have got different rules, different focus? Oh, that's a very good question and it's really in the middle of our preoccupation because that's complicated. You have different references, you have different uh, um, like formats to patterns. Uh, that's true. So we're trying to find a way. Uh, again, because we are very involved in that, I think we can show uh, and we can find a way to like verge all the initiatives to one or two standards. So it's happening. I think what is the, the last thing that we will have to solve that it's not in our court is the price of carbon, which is different from one country to the other. So it's very complicated when you want to really price 
things and the efforts and measure them is complicated when nobody is really think, talking about the same number. So I think it's it's something where we should have to make more efforts. But we we do our part, and we were talking about it regarding DNI. We do also a, a lot of efforts in our environment with our partners to lead them to best practices. For example, we just signed the first green promote. It means that we are going to pay more our partner if he's able to uh, um, measure uh, his progress in terms of ESG. So it's happening. It's happening, but price of carbon is an issue. Yes, internationally. Do you think everyone's going to get on the same page eventually on this? I really think that there's going to be a big push of the private sector because everybody needs that. Because, you know, you have to make... We're not all... going to get anywhere until we're on the same exactly. page. Exactly. So everybody has to make both these reports. Now, everybody has their shareholders pushing them to do better. But if you if we are not able to really measure yourself and to have a benchmark, then it's not going to go anywhere. So I really think that it's where private sector can help the government. So private can really partner with the public sector to do something which is going to have the, uh, the real impact and which is going to simplify everybody's life. I want to go back to one last thing because I know we've got to wrap pretty soon. I know you've got to get out there and meet people and um, enjoy the panels. But you, you're a female CEO. You're the first female CEO of a pension fund in Canada. What advice would you have for uh, young women in commercial real estate, in business who have those sorts of aspirations? I would say um, do what you want to do. Uh, don't overthink it. You know, um, when I was young, I wanted to have everything. I wanted to have a husband, I wanted to have children, and I wanted to have a job. I'm 54, I have uh, a great job, great responsibility. I have three grown-up uh, boys who are just marvelous, and I have a wonderful husband. So, so you got it all. <laughs> so, exactly. and. Really because I think I've been my way, I've done what was uh, important for me, what was meaningful for me, it was the way I think I have made a difference. And the fact that I'm a woman um, has been, for me, I think a bonus instead of being a constraint. So I think that we, you should think about like that. And it's the, this kind of thing I'm trying to, I, I try to spend a lot of time with young ladies uh, at school or uh, the interns that we have within Ivano or the young um, uh, professional that we are hiring and to explain them. I'm not a role model, but choice is not a male privilege. So you say don't overthink it. What shouldn't you overthink? What are you in danger of overthinking, do you think? You know, uh, I think that maybe sometimes when you, you are, we are in a very competitive world. So sometimes when you can't have what, what, you, what you want, what, you, what, what somebody uh, can't have what, what, uh, what he wants, he can think that it's maybe because he's uh, different, because he's a woman or because he's coming from a different background. And something is... And sometimes it's just because there is a lot of competition. So if you just stuck to that, then you build a kind of frustration and that at a point, this uh, negative energy is going to prevent you from doing something. So sometimes you just have to say, okay, it doesn't work. Maybe next time it's going to work and that's going to be okay. So, you know, you are, I'm, I'm like the outcome of a lot of successes, but a lot of weaknesses and failures too. Natalie, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for making time to, to chat with us today. My pleasure. Thank you and congratulations to BizNow to organize this wonderful event. That's Natalie Paladice, the CEO of Ivanhoe Cambridge. She was speaking at our RISE event, which you can read more about on our website, biznow.com. I'm Miriam Hall. Thanks for listening.